With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're about to experience a life-giving message from Bishop Kevin Foreman, the people's bishop and pastor of Harvest Church. We exist to lead people to totally love God, love people, and love life as one church in global locations. Find out more on our website at www.harvestchurch.church or get our app by texting the word HARVEST to the number 877-552-4746. Your faithful giving is how we continue to bring life-giving messages like these to you. So bless what blesses you in our app or online at www.harvestchurch.church forward slash give. Now here's today's life-giving message. up let's make our confession of faith together i'm lifting my phone because i got the harvest church mobile app you can literally read through the entire bible in one year let's go for god's glory this is my best year yet to the word i'm about to hear i believe i obey i manifest and that settles it in jesus name amen father we are open and we are ready to receive speak to us tonight on campus and online don't let us leave this place don't let us log off the same way that we came in here but god we ask you to reshape us we ask you to transform us we yield to the process we don't fight you and we don't fight the process in jesus name where is it can you make this declaration say god i'm open and i'm ready can i get you to fist bump two or three people around you and just say let's go let's go let's go let's go let's go Online, tag somebody, get them in the experience now. We're about to go all the way up. Let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go. Where am I going? Into my sequel. And my next looks better than my now. And my next looks better than my past. If you're excited about the next six months that are ahead of you, can I get you to put a preemptive praise over the second half? And it's going to be better. And it's going to be better. Bishop, why is my year going to be better? Because you're going to be better. And when you're better, that means your year is going to be better. Your finances better. Your faith better. Your family better. Come on, somebody say, and I will be better. Let's go to work. So this series is called Daddy Issues, and this is not a dad bashing nor a man bashing series. In fact, at Harvest, we build men up at Harvest Church. We don't tear them down. We don't pull men down. We speak life, not just in the men, but into everybody. Can you, can you practice that with somebody close to you? Just tell them, say, I speak life into you. I 
Come on, they haven't heard encouragement all week. They've had people try to scandalize their name, try to tear them down and pull them down. They've been dealing with internet trolls and Instagram trolls and all that. Can you speak life into them and say, I want to see you win? Come on, tell them. I Put that online to somebody. I want to see you do well. This is not a dad bashing series. It's not a man bashing series. We build all people up, especially uh, 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 our men and our women, our boys and our girls up. This series, in fact, is not just for those with contentious or non-existent relationships with their fathers. Why? We learned um, through this series so far that all of us have known or hidden daddy issues. How do you know that, Bishop? Psalm 51.5, David speaks these words after he does something totally ratchet and crazy. What does he do? He's the king. He's got money. He's got power. He's got influence. He's not just a king, but watch me. He's also a prophet. He's a minstrel, too. He can play music. He's a spiritual man. In fact, the Bible says he's a man after God's own heart, and David still does something stupid. Now, listen, that excites me. You may say, Bishop, why in the world would you be excited about that? Because if even somebody like David can have a crazy moment, watch me, I need you to stop beating yourself up because you've had some crazy moments. I know maybe you've lived your life squeaky clean, but for the rest of us that can look back over our lives and say, that was dumb, that was dumb, that was dumb, this was ratchet, what was I thinking, what was I doing? I need you to give God glory, why? That his blood covered your mistakes and covered your failures. David, a man after God's own heart, the Bible makes it clear that David does something crazy. One day when he's supposed to be out fighting because it was the springtime, and in the springtime, that's when kings fight. Coincidentally, let me make this very clear to you. You will notice that your warfare in life will intensify in the spring. Why? Because the biblical spring feasts come. And whenever there's a spring feast, whenever there's uh, or a fall feast, what is a feast? The Bible is not based off of the Gregorian calendar, which goes from January through December. The Bible is based off of the Hebrew calendar, which has two different feast times, the spring and the fall. Pay attention. Your warfare in life will always intensify in the spring and the fall. Why? Because the feasts were a time when God says, I'm going to open up heaven over you, and I'm coming to meet with you. Watch me. Since the enemy already knows there's a meeting on the schedule, your warfare intensifies during the fall and during in the spring and I need you to pay attention do not give up because of your warfare do not throw in the towel because of your warfare your warfare means you're closer than you've ever been before I wish you lay your hands on yourself say you're closer than you've ever been you're closer to what closer to what you prayed for closer to what you believe for closer to what you dream about closer to what God placed on the inside of you can I talk tonight to a few of you where you can say there's some big stuff God has put on the inside of me and sometimes when you look around at you what you look at doesn't match what you see on the inside what you look at doesn't match what God showed you but I need you to know you're closer than you imagine come on encourage somebody next to you lean on them and just say you're closer than you know you're close you're closer than you know. That's why little things are trying to stop because big things are trying to not. And I don't need you to let some little things stop you from the big thing God's about to manifest in your life. David was supposed to be at war because the kings went to battle during the springtime. But David doesn't go to war. You want to know why? Because David says, I fought a lot. I want to talk to a few of you. Where, watch me. Where you lose in peace what you fought to get during war. Yesterday, uh, I, was I was having lunch with a man of God, 
And we were talking about a variety of different things, and he said something. I'm a Batman fan. I love any other Batman fans in the building? Any Batman? Okay, forget y'all then. Any Batman fans online? Listen, listen. I like Batman because Batman's a realistic superhero. Superman, come on, you know, laser beams out of your eyes, you know, getting shot, don't nothing happen, come on. All right, all right, nothing against Superman, I'm just saying that's not really, Batman, that could really be somebody that's just got a lot of money and got a lot of free time. They asked him, what's your superpower? He said, I'm rich, that's my superpower. All right, here's the deal. I'm a Batman fan. And so we're sitting down and he, talk, and he, and he gives me this line. He's this, he's this line from Bane. And, I, you know, you know, and I, you know, I didn't remember this line. He says, he, says, he says this. He says, victory has defeated you. Your peace has made you weak. I said, ooh. I said, that's a whole series. David had experienced so much success. He had done so well that when it was time for him to fight, pay attention, he was like, well, I don't have to. For some of you, watch me, you haven't dealt with any big enemies lately. Oh, God. You haven't dealt with any big challenges lately. You, 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 you haven't really dealt with any big problems lately. And in fact, you've been having win after win after win, victory after victory after victory. And sometimes during peace, you can lose what you fought to gain during war. So because David, you know, not really feeling like going to war, David doesn't go to war. And because he doesn't go to war, he looks over and he sees Bathsheba. Bathsheba is taking a bath. She's doing what every woman did during that day. There was nothing scandalous. There was nothing seductive about what Bathsheba was doing. David just had no business being at home, which teaches us this principle. When you're not in the proper place at the proper time, you're going you're gonna to start some problems that you didn't need to start. I pray that for the remainder of this year, you be in the proper place at the proper time so you don't get caught up in some stuff you have no business getting. I cancel every attack and plot of the enemy that he's got planned for you for the second half of this year. You're going to be in the right place at the right time, and you will not make a mistake that you do not have to make. I need you to speak this over your life. Say, no unnecessary failure. I God, I need faith in this room. Please say, say it again. Say, no unnecessary failure. I, right? So, so, so David, he sleeps with Bathsheba. Bathsheba is the wife of one of David's friends, and not just his friend, but David, but one of David's mighty men. His name is Uriah. And and Bathsheba tells him, she's like, look, I am married. I am in a whole marriage to your mighty man, Uriah. Like, and you know what's going on. David is like, I gotta have her. Be careful that you don't get to a place to where you think that you are exempt from order. Who is quiet in here now? Don't think that you are exempt from order because watch me. Uh, the Bible says that heaven and earth will pass away, but not one thing from his word is ever going to pass away. And so David thought, well, I can have her because I'm the king and I could do what I want to do. And so David did that, and then she's prego. She gets pregnant, and when she gets pregnant, the prophet Nathan comes to David and says, David, what have you done? You could have had any woman. Why you got to go and mess with Mr. Biggs, girl? You could have had whatever you wanted. Why'd you mess with them? Question, why is it that sometimes we are drawn to and attracted to the very thing that's destructive for us? I pray in the second half that God would change your taste so you do not desire something that is not good for you. 
You're not going to desire, watch me, romantic relationships that do, don't mean you good. You're not going to desire friendships that don't mean you good. You're not going to desire, watch me, jobs that don't mean you good. I need you to open your mouth and say, Lord, change my taste. So I only desire what you want for me. So David, David reaches for, he could have had anybody. He could have picked any. He could have literally just stood out and he could have said, I want that one, I want that one. He went after Bathsheba. And so Bathsheba gets pregnant. She has a child and she's pregnant. And as she's pregnant, the prophet Nathan comes and says, listen, this is going to be the judgment for you, David. God forgives you, but the first son, the first child, rather, he is not going to make it. He is not going to live. Um, you have to learn mm, that you can't play with fire and not get burned. Let's have a moment and thank God, watch me, for the times where he taught us what not to play with. See, you know how to say thank you, Jesus, when he gives you something you want. I need you to learn how to say thank you, Jesus, when he's like, now don't do this no more. I Here's how you know you're maturing in your relationship with the Lord. When you're not just thankful for what he gives you, watch me, but you're thankful for what he holds back. He literally, he literally, he literally says this is what's going to have to happen. And so, you know, she has a second son, and the second son is Solomon. We're going to talk about him in a minute. This is what David says after the prophet Nathan comes to him and checks him and corrects him for what he's done. Behold, he says, look at me. I was shapen. Shapen is an old English word, which means this happened over time. I didn't just get this way. This didn't just happen. This wasn't because of one thing that happened that was traumatic to me. This thing has been going on for years. I was shaping, which means this is a process over time in iniquity. There are three types of sin in the Bible. Sin, number one, means to make a mistake, to miss the mark. Number two, transgression. That's to willfully deviate from what we know to be right. What's transgression? Don't touch the glass. You pick up the glass and touch the glass because you figure I'm grown. I'm going to do what I want to do. That's called transgression. Then there's this third one called iniquity. And iniquity is generational sin that is passed down and around. Pay attention, which means what you got, you got it from somebody else. Watch me. You got it from your mama. You got it from your daddy. You got it from, watch me, someone that you um, watched, someone that you saw. And it's passed down, watch me, through the bloodline, but then it's passed around. So there's certain things that have shaped you from people that you were around. Friends' houses you went over, when you saw how they acted, you said, well, I guess I should act this way. Pay attention. For some of you, you were shaped, watch me, because you let peer pressure make you think that this is the way you got to be, this is the way you got to act, this is how you got to dress, and even though you were a good girl that loved the Lord, they had you dressing like a video girl. Y'all ain't going to say nothing. E e even, though you, even though you were a good guy, you were a church boy, they had you thinking that you had to knock them down in order to be a man. Y'all ain't going to say nothing to me. Sin that, or error that's passed down and around. So David says, I became this way because I was shaped this way. He says, this isn't really who I am. And for some of you, you got to be careful because whenever you have been shaped to be a way, we will sometimes say things like this, this is just how I am. But what if that's not? What if that's just how you were shaped? And guess what? What if the way, well, this is just the way the women are in my family, but what if that's not right? Well, this is just the way the men are in my family, but what if that's not right? Well, this is just how the Johnsons are. This is how the, this is how the, uh, 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 the Browns are. This is just how the uh, Cleophas family is. What if it's wrong and you're supposed to be the interruption? Lay your hands on yourself, say, and I am. Uh-uh, I don't even like the way you said that. Say, and I am. 
I need you to say that thing so the enemy knows that what worked in the first half against you is not going to work in the second half. Say, and I am. Here we go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Look, what's practiced as a child becomes normal as a teen and becomes permanent as an adult. What's practiced as a child, this is why to every parent, it is so important that you don't let Google and YouTube raise your kids. That is not a substitute for being a parent. And while I'm on the subject, since you didn't say much there, and it ain't your teacher's job to raise your kids either. I wish my educators would say something right now. What's practiced as a child becomes normal as a teen and becomes permanent as an adult. Unless there's an interruption. And I need you to say this. Say, and I'm the interruption. So, so this series is designed to do this. To reveal then heal the issues that have been embedded in your individuality. So that God can reshape us. Look at Jeremiah 18.4. It says, and the vessel he was making uh, of clay was spoiled. Now they got a big pile of clay. This you. Now, I know, I know you like, but I'm fine. You're still clay. I know you're like, I got it together. You're still clay. See, here's what's dangerous. When you think that your clay is better than somebody else's clay. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Make sure you're not sitting next to bougie clay. Okay, I would... Make sure you're not sitting next to arrogant clay. Baby, we are both clay. And while you may not be in the same place I am, don't get it twisted. We are both under construction. This is why Christians, you cannot base your Christianity off of some sense of moral superiority where the only thing you do is sit high and look low and judge other people because their clay ain't got the same issues your clay got. You still got some issues yourself. Elbow somebody say, don't judge anybody. Because you still clay. Some of them won't even help. I'll vote him and make it hurt. Say, don't say don't judge nobody. Because you're clay too. Come on. Don't do it. Because this is you. This is you in the mirror. Lumps and all. Listen, I just, Let's go. <laughs> I'm just playing. You look amazing. You're the best looking person ever. No one looks better. All right, look at me. God says, this is you. 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 And the vessel he was making of clay, ready, was spoiled. Now, pay attention. He was making it. For everyone where you feel like you're going to make a name for yourself, you, you're already out of order because what you're trying to do is you're trying to do his job. And the vessel he was making of clay was spoiled in the potter's hands. In other words, he's like, there's, there's a problem with the clay. Uh, the clay, literally that word spoiled, that means it's unfit. That means, that means literally that, that there's some kind of marring in the clay. There's an issue. So, so in other words, he says, I, I'm going to have to rework this into another, pay attention, vessel. This clay has to be carried. I need to rework you so that you can carry. 
Uh, you'll get it in a minute. See, when you're a vessel, this means God is making me into somebody where I can carry somebody. God is making me into somebody where I can be blessed to be a blessing to somebody. See, this clay needs to be carried. God says, but I want to make you into a vessel where you can carry something. Question, what do you carry? What are you carrying to other people? Drama? Mess? Issues? Inconsistency? Quiet in the building tonight. What are you carrying to other people? So God says, I got to rework this into a whole nother vessel. In other words, you're not going to look, by the time I'm done with you, you're not going to look anything like the way I started with you. And I say it often, but I mean what I say. You may not be where you want to be, but who in this building and online can thank God that you're not where you... you because, see, you start like this. And, and, and some of you think, this is just how I am. This is what you tell the Lord. This is me. This is how I am. I just have stank face all the time. This is me. I'm just, I'm just, have, I'm just rude. And y'all came ready. Y'all don't understand my anointing. There's no anointing for rude. You're just rude. That's not anointing. That's not a, and let me help you do And that's not a prophetic gift either. That's pathetic. If you can't love people, I could care less about your gift. I could care less about what you saw. And then you ain't seen nothing in the spirit if you can't see you. So here's what we say to God. God, this is how I am. This is how I am. This, I'm just late to everything. This is how I am. I'm just, I don't, I just, I'm not consistent to nothing. This is how I am. I just, you know, people don't understand me because of where I grew up. I'm from New York. I'm from Mississippi. <laughs> I'm from Denver. I'm from Chicago. Come on, somebody from Chicago. So you tell the Lord, this is me. And God says, mm -mm, mm -mm, mm -mm, we ain't doing that. Y'all ever watch those infomercials where they prepare something behind the table? And they'll say, okay, we're going to pop that. Oh, look, oh, 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 let's do better. Do you, you ever watch the cooking show? Now, not these new cooking shows, because Food Network now is nothing but chopped and beat Bobby Flay. It's the only thing that comes on. I'm talking about old Food Network when Emerald, who remembers Emerald when Emerald used to come on? Some of y'all going to have to Google them, because half the room don't even know who Emerald is. I, um, Father, I pray right now. You ready? All right, here's the deal. And they'd say, they'd make the food up, they'd make it up, and then they'd say, we're going to pop that in the oven. they pop it in the oven. And then we'll be right back after this. <laughs> they come back, watch me, after a break. For some of you, for some of you, as God is reworking you, here's where he's got you. I had to put you away for a minute. I had to hide you for a minute. I had to put you on hold for a minute. I had to put your plans on hold. I had to put your... I had to put you on break for a little bit. But can I get you to prophesy somebody to somebody next to you, to somebody online? Say, but your break is about to be over. I, why? In the second half, you're coming off of your commercial break. And in the second half, we're going to come back. And the finished product is going to be on top of the table. I need you to open up your mouth and say, in my second half, it's going to be better than my first half. This. 
says this doesn't look anything like this. Look at me, and it's not supposed to. Every time you tell God, I just don't feel like I know who I am anymore, what you're saying is, is I yearn and I'm longing for a version of me you got rid of. For every person listening to me where you say, I just don't feel like I know myself anymore. Good. I just feel like I'm losing myself. Good. I just feel like I'm in a midlife crisis. Good. I just feel like everything's spinning out of control. Is it spinning out of control or is it spinning into shape? Because for the po- come on, y'all, I feel like preaching tonight. Because for the potter to shape you, he puts you on the potter's wheel. He's got to spin that wheel, meaning he has to apply some pressure to you. I need everybody that's got some stuff that's spinning in your life right now to just open up your mouth and say, thank God for the spin cycle. He's reshaping me into another vessel. Look at me. Look at this last part. As it seemed good to you. Nope. Come on, Wednesday. As it seemed good to your mama now. As it seemed good, you ready? To your kids. As it seemed good to your friends. Nope. He says, the only one I care about who likes the way you come out of this is God. God says, I could care less. Look at me. How you feel about what I'm shaping you into. Because here's why a lot of us never get reshaped. is because we fight him during the reshaping process. And you fight him to be this. And God is like, but you can't carry anything. Like, this is a blob. And you'll be proud of your blob, too. I graduated from this school, and I got this, and I got this, and I just bought my first piece of paper. You're still a blob. Can't carry nothing. You like to bark, but when you get barked back at, you can't handle it. It's quiet, right? Has it seemed good to who? God. And, and in Jeremiah, he's referred to as the potter. Now pay attention to this. It, he reshapens us because sometimes there's obvious daddy issues. And I gave you that on Sunday. And I gave you the statistics. But then I talked to you on Sunday that there can be hidden daddy issues. Like with King David and his son, King Solomon. Now, David's father's name is Jesse. Everybody say Jesse. Jesse. His son, Solomon, obviously his father's name is David. Now, both of their fathers, pay attention, were present in their life, but they still had daddy issues. Many people will think, I had a great mom, I had a great dad, I have a great mom, I had a great dad, or have a great dad. I do not have any daddy issues. To the contrary, because watch me, they shaped you as best they could but they were still shaping you in iniquity, in error. So you learn how you handle anger in error. Because for some of you, the way you handle anger is you get mad and you ghost. But you were shaped that way. For some of you, the way you handle anger is you shut down and you call it, I need time to process. No, that's witchcraft. Because what you're doing is trying to manipulate somebody else because you want them to deal with the issue on your, see, you ain't saying nothing. On your terms. That's witchcraft. Bible, that's manipulation. It's manipulation. So you got them calling you 15 times, wondering if you're coming home or not. Manipulator. You got it? Their fathers were present, but they still had daddy issues. 
You ready? Now look at this. 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 Um, these are hidden daddy issues. Now, David, I talked to on Sunday, David was more spiritual and Solomon was more sophisticated. Uh, David, when he was dealing with his issues, David, you saw what he said. He said to the Lord, behold, I was shaping in iniquity and sin. Uh, my mother conceived me. Solomon, he was sophisticated. Solomon, the Bible records, is one of the wisest men to ever live. Pay attention. His father is a man after God's own heart, but he's one of the wisest men to ever live. They are essentially the dichotomy of one another. One is spiritual to the extreme. The other is sophisticated to the extreme. One prays and worships about everything. The other goes and has intellectual conversations about everything. And for us to be the interruption, we're going to have to be both of them. Here's the truth. While David was more spiritual and Solomon was more sophisticated, the statement is true. You're just like your daddy. And for some of you where you've had contentious relationships or absent relationships or even angering or frustrating relationships with your father, with your mother, in the environment that you were shaped in, as much as you do not want to be like them, often your desire not to be makes you focus so you become what you hate. It's quiet in the building tonight. Come on, somebody say, let's go, let's go, let's go. Uh-uh, 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 because you're not going to sit there and go Solomon on me. Uh-uh, you're going to be Solomon and David. You're going to be spiritual and sophisticated tonight. You ain't going to sit on there and just say, mm, that's really deep. Mm-mm, no, because you're about to be, you're about to get reshaped tonight. Uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. I said you're about to get reshaped tonight. Can I get you to put a little Solomon with a little David? Say, and Lord, I'm open to be reshaped. All right, let's go. So kings Solomon and David, let's look at three areas where they were the same. Where Solomon was just like his. Number one, mismanaged rejection. David was rejected as a, little, as, as a teenager. At 16 years old, when Samuel, the man of God, comes to his house to anoint a brand new king. Because the Lord makes it clear the next king after Saul is going to be in the house of Jesse. He goes to the house. Seven of David's brothers get dressed. They put on their good church clothes. They put on their good outfits. Like, they're ready. They're like, I'm about to be king. I mean, they smell good. And, they, you know, they get creative. They mix colognes together <laughs> so that the other one doesn't have the same fragrance as them. And Samuel walks in. Samuel walks in. Samuel has his entourage with him. He has the school of the prophets with him. He walks in, and as he walks in, he goes, one, no, two, no, three, four, five, six, seven. Samuel's like, what is going on here? There must be a king in this house because God sent me here. Pay attention. Let me help some of you. Just because you don't see it now doesn't mean it's not present. Because David wasn't in the house. David was out in the field. And for some of you, watch me. God wants to see how you're going to handle thinking that what you need is not already present. Samuel says, I'm not going to be. There has to be another son here because it's none of these guys. Listen, do not force fits. Do not force fits because you think there are no additional available fits. Look at me. You're not desperate. Oh, my God. 
And that's for every aspect of your life. Don't you dare. But this is all I can take. No, boo. You are not in a position of desperation. You are not in a position where you got to just take. Okay. So, so, so Samuel says, Samuel says, this is, this is, this is a problem. This is a whole problem. Um, there has to be another son. Jesse says, well, I got another one. Watch me. You think that little of David that you didn't even invite, he couldn't even take a shower. Now, just go with me. Just go back. He couldn't put on his cologne blend. He couldn't clean up on his fingernails. He couldn't get himself ready. He says, David's out there, essentially, but it couldn't be him. Because the truth be told, Samuel, watch me. He was formed in sin, shaped in iniquity, because I stepped out on his brother's mother to go conceive him. Every time I see him, I'm reminded of the fact that I don't like her. It couldn't be David. Couldn't be David. And the one that they thought was not going to be selected. I just need to check the room and check online. Is there anybody where you were ever the one where everybody thought it wasn't going to be you? You were the one that was overlooked. You were the one that was treated different. You were the one that's the black sheep. Can I get you, if that's ever been you, if it's not been you, don't do anything. And if you've ever been that David in this situation, can I get you to lift your hands and worship God for three seconds? Why? Because even though they thought you were going to be overlooked, you're exactly the one that God's looking for. Go three, two. Come on, somebody say, I'm the one he's looking for. So David, so David. So they go get David. Samuel says, I'm not sitting down until David's in the house. They say, go get David. David comes in. David's been out in the field. You know, clothes a little wrinkly. Clothes a little dirty. He's been out there with the sheep. He doesn't look like his brothers. He, he dresses a little different. He moves a little different. He talks a little different. He acts a little different. And when he walks in the house, Samuel looks at him. Samuel says, there you go. I prophesy to everybody in the sound of my voice, the second half of this year, your fits are showing up. David was the right fit for the seat. Can I just get you to make this declaration and say, in the second half, my fits are showing up. So David comes in the room. The anointing, flow, the anointing oil flows on him and his brothers have to stand around him and watch the one that they used to ridicule. Watch the one that they talked about. Watch the one that they always gave trouble to. They have to watch him be the one be picked. But in David's mind, imagine how he feels knowing you really weren't even going to invite me. I'm only in here because Samuel demanded me be in here. Can I help some of you all? I don't care who tries to block you. Oh, my God. I don't care who doesn't like you, and I don't care who doesn't want to see you win. Can I get you to make this declaration and say, but God is for me. And if God is for me, who would dare be against me? But from age 16 to age 30, David wonders why my daddy don't like me. Why does he treat those others better than me? Why can they do anything and he says nothing? And when I do one thing and he says something. Well, why in the world 
my life. So you know what David does? Is it first pushes David to worship. It pushes him to God. But then he mismanages his rejection. And it pushes him to relationships. So now everybody he meets, he's looking for the affirmation of Jesse. Every person he sleeps with, he's looking for the affirmation of Jesse. Every woman that he lays down with, he's looking for the affirmation of Jesse. And here's what's crazy. When you mismanage rejection, acceptance from anybody else is never enough. So you need more and more and more and more and more. If you look at Samson's life, David didn't really spend a lot of time with Samson. Excuse me, Solomon. David didn't really spend a lot of time with Solomon. So the exact thing that happened to him, he does to Solomon. Does he do it on purpose? No, but he was shaped. Come on, be a good class. So question, who rejected you? What did that make you do? Where did that push you to? When did they reject you? Why did they reject you? How did they reject you? Because when you, watch me, rejection is a part of life. No's are a part of life. People that you care about that don't care about you back, that's a part of life. Here's the difference. How are you going to manage that? You're going to have people that you love, they stink in draws. And they're not going to give you the time of day. That's part of life. Rejection really doesn't have as much to do with you as it has to do with who is rejecting you. Because, But the question we often never know is why. And we want to know, don't we? Inquiring minds want to know. And here's what's crazy. The trip is, is if you were to ask those that you felt rejected by, the truth is most of them wouldn't even be able to give you an explanation. Why weren't they there? Why didn't they do what they were supposed to do? They don't know. They don't know. They'll come up with stuff. You know what they'll do? They'll blame it on you. Well, I thought you didn't love me. I thought you didn't want to. I thought you didn't want to hear from me. Well, Ninja, how would you know that if you didn't try? You ready? They both had mismanaged rejection. How many of you can be honest that at some point in your life you've mismanaged rejection? Wave at me. So she rejected you, so you got five new she's. <laughs> he rejected you, so you got five new. You didn't get the job, so you've been eating the whole pandemic. It's quiet in the building. You didn't get what you wanted. You mismanaged the rejection. Rejection is normal. How you manage it, that's what makes you spiritual. Look at me. Everybody look at me and listen to me very good because we got to go. You ready? Rejection is two things. Say what two things, Bishop? Protection and redirection. Every door that shut, God was protecting you from something. 
every person that walked out, he was protecting you from something. Every person that should have been there that was not, he was protecting you for something. I need you to say, thank God for protection. And after he covered you and protected you, when you didn't even know you needed protection, watch what he did. Then he redirected you and said, I've got something better for you. Watch me. Jesse, Jesse may not want you, David, but I got a throne that does want you. Jesse may not want you, but I got a kingdom that wants you. The redirection is always going to be greater. Come on, y'all. We're about to go up. Can I get you to open up your mouth and say the redirection will be greater? The redirection. I don't like the faith. I don't like the faith. I need you to say that with authority. Say the redirection will be greater. The redirection. Number two. Number two. Number two. These are things they said in common. Number two, misdirected love. Second Samuel 19.6. This is what... Joab, one of David's mighty men, says to him, David has a son named Absalom, and Absalom was crazy. Absalom tried to overthrow David and take the kingdom from him, and for a while he did. David is on the run. A lot of what you read in Psalms is David on the run. He's not on the run from a stranger. He's on the run from his own flesh and blood. Isn't it a trip? How sometimes your enemies will be those of your own household, those of your own blood. You, you know, I understand somebody I expected to be my enemy being my enemy because I never expected you to be friendly toward me. But what is difficult to conceive is that you were supposed to be with me and for me, yet you're the one I have to protect myself from. So watch me. So, so David has this son named Absalom. What's his name? Come on, what's his name? Absalom has a coup. He overthrows David's government. And the Bible says he steals the hearts uh, of the people away from David to himself. Um, and as a result of this, Absalom rises to power. And David's on the run for his life. He's on the run for his life. They say, we're going to go get Absalom. You know what David says? Don't kill him. Now look. Okay. Can we have a mature conversation Wednesday? If you didn't overthrow me, took my stuff, got me on the run from you, you've made a declaration of war. You showed no mercy with me. All right, apparently we can't have a mature conversation, so, so let's not do it. So David, so David, so David says, don't kill him. Joab is like, yes, sir, I won't. I will not, man of God. I will not. I will follow the directive to the T. I will not kill him. So they find, so they find, so they find Absalom. And they get Absalom. They get Absalom. Come on, you're gonna be Absalom. Come on, you're gonna come on, you're gonna be, you're gonna be, you're gonna be one of the other guys. Use your butter knife. Oh, okay, now you get a real one. Okay, there we go. You ready? <laughs> this Absalom. This is the men that are with Joab. I'm Joab. Who am I? Joab. Who that? Who's this? Good class. I hear them. I need to hear the whole rest of the church, all right? You ready? Pay attention. Joab walks up on Absalom. He's like, we got you, Mark. We got you. Oh, no. 
You took David off the throne. Do you know the hell we had to go through to get that throne? Do you know the giants we had to take down? See, it didn't mean nothing to you because you didn't see the fights your daddy had to go through to get you what you got. You didn't see what your mama had to go through to get you what you got. But I was there, and I saw the warfare they have to deal with. Now, he told me I can't kill you, but he ain't said nothing about these people with me. Joab was like, God, dog. Oh, bring the blood over. Bring the blood. Put the blood next to it. There you go. There you go. Ooh, that's good. I don't get a little bit more. There you go. <laughs> you ready? Have a look. Have a look. Have a look. Oh, that's good. That's good. Bloody mess. Bloody mess. Bloody mess. He's a bloody mess. You ready? Joab's like, we got him. He's like, and I obeyed the king. I didn't kill him. But he gone, no. <laughs> he died. He died. Yeah. Didn't he die? He gone. They get back to David. They get back to David. David's sitting on the throne. His temporary throne. Because Absalom took his throne. It's amazing the adjustments you make because of the inconsistencies of other people. They come back to David, and, and, and when Joab comes back to David, and like, tell me, tell me about the lad. Is he alive? Joab is like, this dude tried to take everything that belonged to you. And your question is whether or not he's alive? Look what the Bible says. He says, you seem to love those that hate you. And you hate those that love you. The people who are your ride or dies, you treat poorly. And the people who wouldn't cross the street for you, you worship. You got pictures up of people that ain't never done nothing for you. And the people who have done everything for you, you won't even get them a gift. Y'all ain't going to say nothing to me. He says, you seem to love those who hate you, and you hate those that love you. And, and this is crazy because the name of the message is what? You just like your daddy. Who else had that problem? Solomon did, 1 Kings 11 and 4. For it was though that when Solomon was old that his wives turned his heart after other gods. And his heart was not loyal to the Lord his God. What is this? Misdirected love. Solomon had 700 wives, 300 concubines. What's a concubine? A girlfriend on payroll. She got benefits and a parking spot. Using character though. He's staying character, don't he? The Bible says they turned him. They turned him. Hmm. They reshaped him. He misdirected his love. And now, watch me, he literally, he literally, he literally is turning from the God that gave him what he had. It was God that made you King Solomon. How you going to turn on him behind some skeezers? Because here's the deal. 
Here's the deal, Solomon. You thought that your sophistication exempted you from seduction. Ain't nobody going to play me. Oh, you the one getting played the most. Oh, I'm street smart. Only on that one street because you don't seem to have to work in no other streets. On that street, you're smart. So they have mismanaged rejection. They have misdirected love. Look at number three. Here's what they shared in common. Mindless behavior. What does that mean? Coping. See, it's easy for us to look at them and say, I can't believe they would do that. I can't believe David would do that. I can't believe Solomon would do that. What do you do when you have everything you want? You get bored. What do you do when you don't have any warfare? You get unfocused. So what ends up happening? They have to cope because David's like, I have all of this. I am the king and I am God's chosen man. I am the king. So what does he end up doing? He has a sexual addiction. David's knocking him down. He's got a sexual addiction. Now, why y'all getting quiet? This is the most quiet service we have ever had. At the end, we're just going to play loud music because I don't know what to do with all this quietness. Somebody's just really ministering to me. Well, you need to say something. I don't, I don't understand silence. <laughs> he has a sexual addiction. So David, David has the most beautiful woman in Hebrew. Say her name was Abigail. And so she's the most beautiful. He- I want to see her. I literally, when I get to him, I'm going to be like, Lord, I want to, where is she at? <laughs> Tell me, have you seen her? Oh. I want to see this. She must have been a baddie. I want to see her. I want to see her. Because the Bible says, the, the, the midrash of the rabbis say that she was the most beautiful Hebrew woman ever. David, look at me. David had the finest woman out there. She wasn't enough. Not because she wasn't enough, but there was nothing that would be enough to satisfy his addiction. I know what somebody said, Bishop, I'm not addicted to sex. No, it's food for you. Oh, no, 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 it's gossip for you. Oh, no, 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 It's Netflix for you. Oh, no, 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 no. Shh, shh, don't nobody say that. It's porn for you. Oh, 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 oh. It's a substance for you. See, you notice I'm moving out of the light because, see, the more you think you don't have an addiction, darker your addiction is. What is addictive behavior? It is a way for us to cope with something that we feel like we can't control, so we overdose on something we can control. I'm teaching better than y'all saying amen. And how many of us will be honest? My hand is up first! That if you look in your life, you can say there's some areas where there's some addictive behavior. I can't control this, but I can control this, so I overdose on that. So for David, it was a sexual addiction, addictive behavior. Then he was, both of, he and his father, Solomon and David, they were womanizers. David had all these women. Solomon had all these women. They were womanizers. 
how you got 300 girls? Here's my trip. How did the other 299 be okay with this? Ooh, don't be so desperate that you, okay. Let me. And I'm just telling you, me and my, oh, no, 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 no. I know we live in a fresh culture where people do things different. You're just in an open relationship. But you need to close the door then because I, open to what? Open to new ideas, <laughs> new business partners. <laughs> Both of them were deceptive. Both of them were deceptive. They said only what they needed to say. Ooh, it's quiet now. They learned how to play both sides. I'm going to say what I need to say over here to this one. I'm going to say what I need to say over here to this one. And I'm good. I don't take sides. I, I don't like to do that. I, 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 I don't, I don't want to be over here. I don't want to be over there. And, and it's not because I take over. Mm -mm, I'm overtaken. It's, 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 I don't want to take sides. I want to play sides against one another so that if they are fighting, then they won't ever see what I really am. Deceptive. Decepticons in the building. Do not let success have you sedated. Both Solomon and David were sedated. They started doing well and they just sedated. They just, they just literally just out of it. Like, I think I want another girlfriend today. Well, what's wrong with the one you got? She's cool. Oh, oh, here it is, here it is, here it is. Here it is. I just think I want to do something new. I just want something fresh. I want some, I want some spontaneity. mindless behavior. You're addicted. You misuse people. You deceive people because success has you sedated. How many of us can be honest um, that we've done one of these three, two of these three, or all of these three? If you've done one, drop a one for, for the first one, mismanaged rejection, put up a two if you've had Come on, two, please. Put up two if you've had misdirected love. Three, mindless behavior. All three of them, you should be here. Two, two. Three. You're like, Bishop, it's that and a whole lot more. Just put five on it. Listen. <laughs> look at me. 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 Everybody look at me. We all have. Because we are all clay that he's reshaping. And here's the good news. I don't care how the past was. If you still got a pulse, that means God still has a plan. And I'm excited about your future because it's going to be better than your previous. For those of you that are excited that you're still clay, which means he can still shape you, he can still mold you. Can I get you to open up your mouth and worship God for five seconds right there? Go five, four, Three, two, somebody say yes, Lord. Here we go.
So how do I deal with this, Bishop? How, how, do, I, how do I deal with this? I'm going to show you these few verses and show you how to deal with this, and then we out. Number one, you got to rehearse. What does that mean, rehearse? Rehear. Hear again. You have to look back over the areas where you've had mismanaged rejection, misdirected love, and mindless behavior. Here's what a lot of us don't want to do. We never want to look back. If you meet somebody that says, I don't want to talk about my past, run! Because if you aren't willing to talk about where you've been, you headed there again. And I don't have time for you to take me on your trip back around the ring, around the road. I don't have time for you to take me on your trip back in no circle. Come on, y'all. We're about to go elbow somebody say, no more circles, no more circles. We need to talk about your past. I want to know what you went wrong. I want to know who you dated. I want to know what y'all did. I want to know what happened. I want to know where you've been. Why? Because we're not going back there again. Come on, speak it over your life. Say no more circles. You got to rehearse it. You got to rehearse it. Wherever you had misdirected love, wherever you had mismanaged rejection, wherever you had mindless behavior, you have to go back to that place. Let me prove it to you. Psalm 51. This is David speaking. And remember, I taught you this already, but let me, let's see it in the scripture. This is for the choir director. David wrote this and said, listen, y'all make a song out of this. In other words, I need something to rehearse. He says, for the choir director, a psalm or a song of David regarding the time that Nathan the prophet came to him after David had committed adultery with Bathsheba. What does this mean? David said, I got to go back to the place where I mismanaged rejection, where I had mindless behavior, and where I, I, I had misdirected love. I got to go back to that place. And look at what he says. Verse 1, have mercy on me. What is mercy? Mercy is when God blocks the negative that you do deserve. Mm -mm, I need to check this building and check online. Who can be honest that you've gotten a whole lot of mercy in your life? I know he's been merciful by your praise on three. If he's ever given you mercy, I need you to put a praise in the atmosphere. One, two, three, go. If he's ever, you should have caught something. You should have gotten sick and died. You should have lost your life. The accident should have taken you out. But I need you to look at somebody and say, I'm here because of mercy. I don't, it ain't because of my education. It's not because of how great I've been. It's not because of how many mistakes I didn't make. In spite of my mistakes, I'm still here because of mercy. David says, David says, have mercy on me, oh God, because of your unfailing love. He's like, listen, I, I need you to block some negative I do deserve. Because, God, this could be a, look at me, this could be a lot worse than what it is. Nathan said the first child has to go. But what if this cost me the throne? What if this cost me what it took me 14 years to get? At, at, at age 30, he gets Judah. Years later, he gets the entire kingdom. Which means, David, you work, watch me, 14 years to get part of your promise. Then you worked an additional, pay attention, you worked an additional approximately seven years to get the rest of your promise. So it was not until approximately 37 when you got all your promise. Which means, what if this is going to cost you that? He says, listen, Lord, have mercy on me. 
because of your unfailing love. Look at verse 2. Wash me from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. Now watch what he does. Say recognize. Here's what a lot of people never do. Number one, we never rehearse it. I don't want to think about that. I don't want to talk about that. I don't want to talk about my past. I don't want to talk about that pain. That's why, it, that's why it dictates to you. Anything you can't confront controls you. And I need you to get a, watch me, I need you to get a half a teaspoon of aggressive in you and be able to look at some things and say, no, we're going to have this conversation. We're going to deal with this issue. I will confront and deal with this issue because what I cannot confront, it controls me. So then look at this. Not only do many people not rehearse, but most people don't recognize it. Most people will never pay attention to say, well, where, look at me. Where was I wrong in this? Because I can sit up and talk about what my daddy didn't do, but here's the truth. But here's the truth. What did he do? What did he do? He, he, okay, see, got, see how quiet it got right there? Because when you start telling people that they have to take responsibility, nobody likes to shout about that. Nobody likes to shout about that. And what will happen is that your life can go up in smoke. Your life can go up in smoke. Watch me. Because you refuse to rehearse and you refuse to recognize. And so your life will be on fire. And you're saying, God, put the fire out. And God is saying, you started it. I didn't start the fire. I need you to deal with this fire. You ready? All right, look at me, look at me, look at me. Verse 3. For I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. Against you and you alone have I sinned. He says, Lord, what have I done? What have I done? And not from like a condemning place, because God doesn't condemn us. He convicts us. What's the difference? Con condemnation says you're so low. Conviction says you're so much better than that. See, if you're hearing voices telling you you're stupid, you're dumb, you can't, mm, that ain't God. If you hear a voice saying you are so much better than that, you are so much stronger than that, you are so much wiser than that, you're so much better. Somebody say, that's God right there. That's God. He says, against you and you alone have I sinned. So watch me. Here's the third. He repents. Repentance is not simply apologizing to God. Repentance is literally saying to God, I want to change directions. Say repent. Re, again, pent, uh, the suffix meaning top. Think of a penthouse. Penthouse is the top. It's the nicest unit in a building. So pay attention. God says, get back to the best version of yourself. Because, David, this isn't even the best you. David, you're the man that can take a slingshot and take down a giant. David, you're the one that can take rejection and make it protection and redirection and become king of a nation, the man after my own heart. Can, can I get you to understand who you are? You have already done some amazing things in your life. You've already done some incredible things in your life. And God says, I need you to get back to the best version of yourself. Speak this over your second half. Say in the second half, I'll be the best version of myself. Verse 8, he says, give me my joy back again. He was like, look, he's like, look, I'm not even joyful. He says, because I've been out here tussy rolling. And I thought that would make me happy. And that didn't make me happy. I've been out here doing it my way. And that is not making me, as a matter of fact, 
I don't even have joy. I ha Watch me. He says he's got money, he's got position, he's got power, but he doesn't have joy. For some of you in this second half, you better get ready because this is going to be the most joyous time of your life. Happiness is based on what's happening. Joy means I don't care what's happening because me and him are good. I got joy. Can I get you to do like the psalmist says? Say, give me my joy again. Say it. Say, give me my joy again. Say it again. Give me my joy again. Look at me. He says, give me back my joy again. You have broken me. Now let me rejoice. He said, I needed to go through this so that I could see where I had mismanaged rejection, where I had misdirected love, and where I had mindless behavior. That was part of it. Did you get it? You got it? Okay. See, when you have mindless behavior, you blank out, and you'll do things that when you look back, you're like, You ever had a mindless behavior moment and look back and say, what the heck? It's second Wednesday. I'll wait until third Wednesday. Look at this last part. Look at this last part. Verse 10. Created me a clean heart. Oh, God, and renew a loyal spirit within me. He says, God, here's the truth. I've lived in luxury, so it made me disloyal. I've been doing so good, I forgot you're the God that's making me do good. I, things have been going so well, I forgot that it was my serving that got it well. I forgot that it was my faithfulness that got it well. I forgot that it was me doing what I was supposed to do that made it well. So I got disloyal. God got disloyal. Created me a clean heart. Everybody say that. Say, created me. A clean heart. Oh God, and renew a loyal spirit within me. Last verse, the last two verses. Do not banish me. Look at what he says. He says, I don't care nothing about this stuff. He says, Don't banish me from your presence. Uh -uh, uh -uh. Everybody say, Lord, don't banish me from your presence. Take 10 seconds and worship right now. Go. 10 seconds. 10 seconds. 10 seconds. 10 seconds. 10 seconds. Eight. Come on, Wednesday. Seven. Six. Five. Four. Three. Come on, say, Lord, I need your presence. Tell him, say, I need your spirit right now. Say, restore my joy for salvation. Restore my joy for my relationship with you. Come on, Wednesday, we're about to go. But I just need you to put a praise in this atmosphere that he didn't take his presence from you and he's restoring your He's restoring your joy. He's restoring your joy. 
He's restoring your joy. You're about to wake up with joy. You're going to go to sleep tonight with joy. God, I wish I had faith in this building. You're going to walk around tomorrow smiling, and people are going to try to figure out why you're smiling so much. Because on Wednesday night, he restored my joy. I am not my mismanaged rejection. I am not my mindless behavior. I am not my misdirected love. Come on, Wednesday, please open up your mouth. Say, restore my joy and refill me with your spirit. Verse 12, restore to me the joy of your salvation. He says, just make me happy that I'm a Christian. He says, just, just, he says, I didn't got caught up with all this other stuff. I stopped having joy about the fact I ain't going to hell. I got so caught up in all this other stuff, I stopped getting excited about the fact that I still got breath in my body. I got so caught up with this other stuff, complaining about little things that I missed the big picture that there's still breath in my body. Let everything that have breath. He says, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Look at this last part. And make me willing to obey you. He, he, said, he said, something in me told me I don't have to do right. Something in me told me I don't have to do what I know to do. He said, and that right there? He said, oh, no. Can I teach you a line? It's, it's, it's uh, hood Hebrew. Ooh, for now. Come on, practice. Come on. Ooh, for now. What does this mean? Let's break it down for those of you who are sophisticated to all my Solomons in the room and all my Solomons online. Ooh. <laughs> Meaning a great excitement about a particular thing. A noun, a person, place, thing, or idea. For now. Which means I'm excited about what I'm not going to do. Hey, come on, let's practice. Say, ooh, for now. He said, listen, I cannot let myself get to this place again where I think it's okay not to obey. Where I think it's okay to do my own thing. I can't let myself get to this place again. Everybody stand in the building and online. Everybody stand. Everybody stand in the building and online. No, I need to go up in the building and online. In the building and online. In the building and online. Here's what you're going to do. We're going to take 60 seconds. Somebody say 60 seconds. And we're going to take a moment to do what David just did. David took what was supposed to be a horrible moment, and he turned it into a moment of rejoicing. I pray that tonight every place where it's dark, every place where it is where it is frustrating, every place where it is angry, and in those places tonight it be turned into a place of joy for you. Wednesday, please listen to me. Somebody say, this will be my moment of rejoicing. Say it again. Say, this will be my moment of rejoicing. Wednesday, I need you to say it again. Say, and this will be my moment of rejoicing. Say, every area, God's reshaping it and making it better. Therefore, I shall rejoice. Now, listen, right where you're at, watch me. 
Right where you're at, on campus and online, I don't care if you're in your apartment and you got to stop. I don't care if you're in your office and there's somebody next to you working. I need us to take 60 seconds and just make this a moment of rejoicing. Why? I'm rejoicing because of my reshaping. I'm rejoicing because of my reshaping. Are you ready, Wednesday? I said, are you ready, Wednesday? Because I need you to leave this experience with joy. Are you ready, Wednesday? On three, put some rejoicing in this atmosphere. One... Every area of your life, God's reshaping, and I need you to rejoice. You're not stuck in your failures. You're not stuck in your mistakes. You're not stuck in your challenges. One, two, three, go. It's my moment of rejoicing. I'm rejoicing because of my reshaping. I'm rejoicing because of my reshaping. I'm rejoicing because of my reshaping. And I'm glad about it. Come on, rejoice right there, Wednesday. And I'm glad about it. Yeah, he's reshaping me. I'm not, I'm not stuck. He's reshaping me. I'm, I may have started like this, but baby, he's reshaping me. He's reshaping me. And he that has begun a good work in me, he shall perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. You're not gonna recognize yourself by the end of this year. He's re, he's re, and because of that, we're gonna rejoice. I need some of y'all to press. Go harder. 30 seconds. Go. You're not the same as your father. You're not the same as your mother. You're not the same as what you were shaped in. You're the curse breaker. You're the history maker. You're the line crosser. You're the boundary breaker. That's who you are. That's who you are. You were not just sent to pay bills, have babies, and die, but you were sent to rule and to reign and to conquer and subdue. Tonight, tonight, tonight in this building and online, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if you're in here and you are not a Christian, if you're online and you're not a Christian, this is your moment to come to the Lord. Secondly, if you've given your life to the Lord before, but you've not been faithful, this is your night to recommit yourself to him. Thirdly, if you're like, Bishop, I don't really know where things stand with God, but I want to be sure tonight. There's no guilt. There's no condemnation. There's no shame. Hear me and hear me clearly. He's reshaping you. And for some of you tonight, the first part of your reshaping process is that you got to give your life to him. He can't reshape you if you don't give you to him. See, you know what some people keep doing? You keep jumping off the potter's wheel. Well, I can't do nothing with that. So for some of you, here's what you're going to do tonight. You've been over here doing your own thing, doing it your own way. Tonight, God's coming to get you to put you back on the potter's wheel. If you need to become a Christian, recommit yourself to the Lord, or be sure... On the count of three in this building, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand online. I'm going to ask you to do the hand wave emoji. Just type these two words. It's me. I got digital ambassadors standing by waiting for your response. One, no guilt, no condemnation, no shame. One, two, three. If that's you in this building, put that hand up. Online, do that hand wave emoji or say it's me. Do that hand wave emoji or say it's me. Everybody, everybody, pray this to me. Say, Father, thank you for dying in my place. Thank you for your love for me. I confess with my mouth. And I believe in my heart that you are my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for reshaping me. Thank you for never abandoning me. 
You love me unconditionally. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. Make me willing to obey you. The second half of 2022, record breaking. The second half of 2022, statistic shattering. The second half of 2022, big things popping. Big things popping. And you're going to blow my mind in Jesus' name. Listen, if you just prayed that prayer for the first time or recommitted yourself to the Lord, text the word decision to the phone number on the screen, 877-552-4746. Did you make a decision to become a Christian for the first time or recommit your life to Jesus? We want to help you make Christianity a lifestyle and not just a hobby. So just text the word decision to 877-552-4746 and we'll send simple next steps so you know what to do next. We're praying for you and congratulations. Remember, your faithful giving is how we continue to bring life-giving messages like these to you. So bless what blesses you in our app or online at www.harvestchurch.church forward slash give. Remember to love God, love people, and love life. Every day my employees get scam emails. I wanted to protect my business and clients, so I checked out CISA's Secure Our World. They've got four simple ways we can protect our businesses from online threats. Learn more at cisa.gov forward slash secure our world. Every day my company gets scam phishing emails trying to get money or sensitive info. I wanted to protect my employees and my clients, so I checked out CISA's Secure Our World. They've got simple ways we can protect our businesses from online threats. First, teach employees to recognize and report phishing. Next, require strong passwords plus multi-factor authentication. And finally, turn on automatic updates for your business software. To learn more, go to CISA at cisa.gov forward slash secure our world.